Welcome to the In Common Podcast. This is Stefan Pardolo. Today's Insight episode is from full episode 22, my interview with Liz Carlisle. Liz is an assistant professor in the Environmental Studies program at the University of California, Santa Barbara, where her work focuses on fostering a more just and sustainable food system. Before venturing into academia, Liz was a country music singer. In this clip, Liz explains how her music career has influenced her ethnographic research with lessons I think we can all learn about being present. This is the In Common Podcast. Yeah, well, on this podcast, we talk a lot about interdisciplinarity, uh, Michael and I, and we're always asking our different guests, you know, on their different perspectives and how they work together with other scientific disciplines. And for you, it's, I mean, you just gave some nice examples. I'm, I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about how you think music uh, and science and, and narrative storytelling uh, within the food systems has really helped you. I mean, what, what are some of those skills that you, that you got from playing music and having a music background how has that shaped how you how you engage with the, these narratives and these stories and then how you bring that into the way that you do science now? <laughs> well, I, I think my particular trajectory in music, um, one thing was, you know, being in country music for four years just put me in a certain cultural context. And I think that was really helpful when I started doing ethnography in a rural agricultural context. Th- those cultural contexts overlap. And so I think I had maybe some cultural literacy and some language and some genuine appreciation. Like I really like hanging out in working class rural America. And I recognize that there are definitely some, there's some problems, you know, there are definitely some ways in which some of those cultural contexts need to evolve. Um, but I, I appreciate, um, and I guess I have seen a lot of, daily life in agricultural spaces in the rural parts of this country. And that's partly because of the time I spent as a country singer. And a lot of the radio stations where I went and played music were also places that were, um, you know, reporting on how are things going in agriculture. So I'd be sitting there, you know, waiting to play my next single and they'd be talking about, you know, what are corn prices and, um, you know, what's the report on what the weather is looking like this season. So I think there was that, um, just kind of cultural background. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think also um, music and songwriting requires a certain kind of just a hundred percent presence that I think is very helpful for ethnography. Um, That ability to just kind of leave your own ego and sense of identity behind for a minute and just like fully be in someone else's reality. Um, That is that's what I did when I was playing music. Um, and it's a really wonderful thing to get to experience on a regular basis. It's like just that total being with the group of people that are there to listen to you or participate in that experience. And that is also what ethnography is for me. And a lot of what you can learn from a, a really insightful ethnographic project, I think can only come when you can that fully engage and be present. And I think music was helpful to me to being able to even get in that kind of mind space, because it's really hard in the world that we live in (laughs) with digital devices and kind of just how saturated our lives are to leave that behind and be really fully present with another person and their experience and put yourself 
in that experience. Um, and then I think it's been helpful to me in thinking about writing too. Um, I think songwriting is, you know, you have to say it in three minutes. So there's a certain kind of discipline that comes from that. And, and something I loved also about writing songs in the context of country music is that it is a genre that is asking you to use the vernacular. It's asking you to say profound and complex things using people's everyday language. And I have always been really, really compelled by that practice. That's something I've always been impressed by when I see people do it in any context, whether it's music or academic writing or somebody giving a great speech. Um, so I'm after that. And I think, um, I think country music helped me with that. And I think that's something I'm still trying to do as an academic writer is to try to use vernacular language as much as possible rather than um, specialized language. And there's places for specialized language, I think, but I'm really compelled by trying to translate some of the insights that come within communities using specialized language, whether those are soil scientists or people talking about social theory, and put them into a conversation that's in people's everyday language so that it can be... Um, a bigger conversation and benefit from the insights of people who aren't part of that specialized community. So that's certainly was a big part of what I was trying to do in Little Underground. And there's a lot of social theory there. Actually, there's a lot of political economy, but it's all just in narrative and story. Yeah, that's a really fascinating reflection methodologically, I think, as you mentioned there about, about ethnography and about being present with people, or perhaps not only ethnography, but makes me think also about just doing interviews in general with people yeah. and I've never thought about it from that, that methodological perspective. And I think I've never heard it, you know, taught or in a book that, you know, part of the methodology of understanding people is to be present with the people that you're interviewing. And I think there's, there's so many layers of, of community and identity, which are, or might not be wrapped up exactly in the questions that we're asking when we do interviews with people. When as scientists, we go out and we, we talk with them, um, that can be really unpacked, and, and and that's a fascinating methodological reflection. I think it's 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 intuitive once when you say it, but I, I haven't heard anyone think about that from a methodological point of view. I'm, it makes me think if you if that's something that you could pass on to students when when you think about teaching. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a really clear memory. I know where it came from for me was uh, being an undergraduate and being in class with a woman named Deborah Foster who, um, you know, she was my mentor in the folklore program at Harvard. And, um, you know, most of her students were not going into ethnographic research. So she had this interesting puzzle of trying to help people understand why, why are they learning this? <laughs> you know, because people understand like why economics is a life skill. They understand why learning human anatomy might be relevant. There's all these classes that, you know, we kind of have this understanding of why they're relevant to your life or your job. And she was explaining the ways in which ethnography, our learning how to do ethnography is just so relevant to being human. Um, and I think it is, can be a very healing practice actually on both sides. And I do think in particular with kind of where we're at right now with this, this highly digital saturated way of engaging with each other um, I think it, I mean, I, gosh, I think it's a sort of contemporary and socially specific manifestation that is ethnographic research of a much bigger 
human activity, which I want to call like witnessing, mm-hmm. you know, the combination of witnessing and storytelling. Um, and so I think it has a lot uh, to offer us besides just sort of a method of gathering data, if you will. And I think um, I've had other teachers like uh, I got to work with Kim Tallbear when I was a graduate student at Berkeley, who's just an absolutely brilliant indigenous um, feminist science and technology studies scholar. And she talked a lot about dialogue as a method and that, um, you know, that the the insights are happening right there in the conversation, that it's not that when you go back and look at a transcript and analyze it, that that's where the intellectual work happens, that it's happening right there as you're with someone. Um, and I think it is, I think it opens up channels in our brains or you might even understand it more broadly than that of where those channels are kind of in our being. Um, but I think that kind of openness to something beyond the narrow ways in which we often think when we're kind of in our own heads that can come of ethnographic work is um, just critically important to the capacity for transformation or change or understanding another person's situation. Thanks for tuning in. If you are new to the podcast, feel free to explore our previous episodes on our website, www.incommonpodcast.org. They can also be found on just about any other podcast player. If you're on Twitter, you can connect with us there, where we share updates, new episodes, and blog posts associated with the podcast. Thanks again.